0: Hey, what's good, Jazz fans? Welcome to Jabber Jazz, where we give you ad-free Utah Jazz content from a fan's perspective and an analytical uh, emphasis, basketball talk for you in your podcatcher and on YouTube. And uh, today we're doing a season preview, and I have an awesome guest with me here today. He's the site manager for SLC Dunk. You know it, you read it, you love it. And also the curator of Hoops Nerd YouTube channel content on, on the jazz and on the NBA at large. And also a Pixel Art Aficionado. It's James Hansen <laughs> joining me today. How's it going, James? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And by the time you're you're listening to this, Jazz Fans, it will be it will be day one of the regular season. The jazz will be kicking things off and We're going to get you primed, ready, and pumped with all the various wrinkles that you can expect for this upcoming NBA and Utah Jazz season, and James is going to do that with me here. If you like what we're doing, please consider subscribing to the podcast and on YouTube. Consider giving myself and James a follow. You'll be able to see our Twitter handles uh, at the bottom of the video and also in the podcast description below. And please consider leaving us a review, or a comment, and snagging some JabberJazz merch, which helps keep the, light on, the lights on here at the podcast and, and keep things rolling out with you. All right, James, so I want to start quick with some roster stuff, because over the weekend we saw that what had been a major storyline during training camp and the preseason with the Jazz having too many guys in training camp in the preseason than we can actually carry into the season, we saw several cuts. The Jazz announced cutting Saban Lee, Stanley Johnson, Cody Zeller, and Jared Butler. Were you surprised at all? I know We, we had all of these guys on the short list, but uh, what were your surprises and, and just general thoughts for these cuts and the roster going forward in the season?
1: Um, I think I was like a lot of people. I think a lot of us were kind of assuming that we'd see Jared Butler going into the season. Um, He, you know, when you think about it, though, and you kind of consider different elements of it, it's not, I guess it shouldn't be all that surprising. Um, But I think just seeing Jared Butler cut, I think we had all, last year, had just really hoped that he would turn into something just because so many of the last draft picks or trades the Jazz have done have been so poor and so I think getting Jared Butler, who was someone that was really interesting in the draft and honestly had some real potential coming out of Baylor, seeing him cut was a bummer. And I guess I was kind of surprised. Um, I think that was my biggest surprise, honestly. The other two, I you know, uh, Zeller going, I don't think anyone was surprised by that. I think it it's almost like who they didn't cut surprised you, in all honesty. I mean, Rudy Gay not being cut, I guess because he has a contract still and... Is not all that surprising, but it, it is a little surprising he's still on the team. And um I you know, Udoka as a Oh boy.
0: Pitching
1: I to the choir. Sense. It make I know. I mean I it makes sense why he's on. I've been rooting for him and there is still a little upside there. I mean, it wasn't too long ago he was nearly touching the top of the backboard with his athleticism and size. I mean but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and I mean there were times last season where he got on the floor and he looked like an NBA rotation player, like little glimpses. But I'm kind of surprised he wasn't cut. Although it makes a little sense considering how many centers are actually on the team. So... But yeah, I'd say Jared Butler for sure was the
0: number one surprise. Yeah, yeah, for me, uh, you nailed it with Yudoka Azubuki. I had pegged him as as the guy I thought uh, was definitely definitely going to get cut. Was definitely going to be one of those four. Uh, not just because the Jazz sold off Bojan Bogdanovich, the guy we thought had like the most trade potential after the dominoes of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell fell, but we essentially traded him for peanuts. In Kelly Olenek, uh in a sense, I, I think we all thought he had more uh, more uh, trade equity than that. So you, you trade for a center who ends up being our starting center, and then the rookie center that comes back in the Gobert deal, all of a sudden he pops and is instantly the backup center. And so I just, even though we keep him, I, I still just I I don't see a great route for Hudoka because he's behind those two already. And that I just don't see much opportunity for him, and, uh, and he's still yet to debut. He still wasn't ready for the preseason, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see when he's available, but thus far it, it's been nothing. So interesting stuff. I, I
1: think, though, I mean, I guess one of the things about this season is what we see now is not what we're going to see in two months. Let's pray not. And what we see in two <laughs> months is not going to be what we see in two more months. So I would not be surprised if we get a lot of backup center Udoka yeah. Um Although we did trade for Kelly Olynyk, and apparently from a lot of people you know, Boston media that I listen to Danny Ainge really likes Kelly Olenek. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just as like a mentor role or just to provide kind of a solid presence that can keep some sort of structure for like the other players. But yeah, Udoka is, not, I mean I don't know. It's. I mean, there's going to be an injury at some point this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Olynyk's probably not going to play every game. Udoka will slip into, like, that backup center, and it's going to be interesting. But, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: I don't know. I, I was surprised. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's now talk about what gets you excited. So we talked about the surprise. Now we know what the roster is, right, that's coming into the season. We're not guessing about those end of the end of the bench, guys, but now what's what's getting you cited? Uh, what or who are, are getting you excited for this season? Uh, what gets me excited for this season is just losses. <laughs> I
1: just... <laughs> I, I... The thing about, I guess, so maybe this is too uh, I don't know, cold-blooded, but there's not a lot of... I mean, I, I like Jared Butler. I think it has a potential... Jared Butler's probably not on the Jazz in like three, four years anyway. And, I mean, at best, Jared Butler, like, at best, is what? A high-level sixth man, third guard in a rotation, probably. I, You know, he doesn't really have the size to be, like, a really high-impact starting guard in the NBA on, like, a championship team. And really, like, that's kind of the... That's kind of what you kind of have to consider when you're looking at these players because that's probably what Danny Ainge is, is thinking is, is this a player that in three or four years can be on a championship roster or a roster that's, like, on that path. And, that, you know, Jared Butler wasn't. And the, I guess, to get back to your question, what gets me excited? Losses get me excited. Because losses are going to get us to those players that will get us there. I think the other thing that gets me really excited is some of these rotation players that the Jazz have. I, he hasn't played yet, and it's kind of making me a little bonkers. But Baji gets me excited. Oh, He's like yeah. a six four, six five 6'5", guard. With a beautiful stroke, he has. I one of the things I've enjoyed is how many offensive rebounds he's gotten. So he's a guy that goes in and can actually get a rebound. So I just want him to play. That's please. Don't <laughs> get him. me excited. Is <laughs> if Will Hardy can play Baji. that will get me excited. But the other thing is Walker Kessler gets me excited because Walker Kessler to me looks like an NBA rotation player, and that kind of goes back to that question: In three or four years, can you see? Walker Kessler on a championship caliber team and I can. I think Walker Kessler on a championship team is probably a backup center yeah. but a good one. Yeah. From what, if he continues to develop. I mean what we are seeing right now at this moment is pretty good. And if he can kind of develop become a pretty consistent free throw shooter, we've seen that he has soft hands, he can catch the ball, he can dunk it, he can do a he's very very functional and he moves a little better than I thought. Absolutely. And so if he can just kind of hone his so, anyways, those are kind of the things that are getting me excited, um, and it, you know, anytime we can see one of these young players get on the on the floor and develop while also losing games, so the Jazz can get Victor Wembanyama, who also gets me excited. That's another thing that gets me excited. <laughs> you know, it gets me excited watching uh, highlights of Amon Thompson looking like a six eight Vince Carter. That gets me pretty excited, and Scoot Henderson looking like the fastest player on the planet and he's not even in the nba yet looks right. that's pretty exciting to me as well
0: so <laughs> oh, yeah we'll definitely be circling back on oshai and the draft as well um and i echo all your sentiments i think the thing that makes me so excited and and inspired for this season really is just the unknowns of the players kind of the rotations of the performances you know, we kind of got to the point where we knew exactly who Rudy was. We knew exactly who Donovan was, right? We knew he was not he was not going to be putting out anything close to the level of defense that he and others always said he could, right? We knew what Quinn's rotations were. We knew he who he was going to play and who he was not going to play. <clears throat> Dante Exum. Uh, we we knew exactly what. Uh, we knew exactly what the team was, what they did, and what they were going to do. And now we don't, and it's just really exciting. I, I I agree with you on Kessler. I think he's making an immediate impact. I love his high IQ, but there's still a ton more out on him, and and I just I can't wait to see it unfold. And and also Sexton, you know, last time we saw him, he was a Donovan Mitchell light. He was you know seventy five percent of Donovan, and. I'm interested to see, hey, can you get back to that level or even exceed it? And so just the unknowns is what gives, I think, a lot of intrigue to this season because, you know, for so long we knew exactly what the Jazz would do, who they'd play, how they'd play, and now we don't really, and that, that's just going to be really fun. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I mean, it. I mean, I guess I'm just kind
1: of diving in, but I, the first 20 games are brutal for yep. this year. They're brutal. The Jazz are going to win. I mean, honestly, anyone who's listening to this or watching this, go look at the schedule and tell me how they're going to win more than four games. And, like, be honest with yourself. Look within your soul and ask yourself, if you're being honest with yourself, how they win more than four games. So during those games, we're going to see, like, can Will Hardy figure out how to, like, adjust? Are we going to see... You know, Colin Sexton, does he actually defend? I actually am a little nervous because if Colin Sexton does learn how to defend, then that makes me nervous we were going to win actually more games than we probably
0: should. <laughs> I'm personally not uh, worried you're, about You're
1: but. right. <laughs> I'm not that worried. He's not that big, honestly. he's not, He's. not. It's funny. I kind of want to go see some games in person this year just to kind of see him because yeah, yeah. one of the things that's interesting, when you go see Donovan Mitchell up close, if you ever have a chance to go, you know, sit up close near front row, go look at how big Donovan Mitchell is. He's small. Like he's small, I, you'll be surprised in person how small he looks, and I wonder if Colin Sexton is actually pretty similar in that way. Yeah. you're just like, holy cow, I mean, and then you'll see someone like LeBron who looks like like M. Bison from Street Fighter, and you're just like there's just no comparison to these two guys like so i uh, there's going to be unknowns, but I think the unknowns are kind of like individual unknowns like how can Jared Vanderbilt actually develop under will Hardy? Can he become? a player that can be more than just kind of a a dunk-the-ball guy on offense. Because if he can, then I think he has a chance to be a really fun player in the future. If he can't, then he probably gets traded at some point this year and becomes a defensive specialist on a a really good team needing like that seventh guy
0: or something like that. So speaking of just, you know, other veterans... You know, we we got a ton in all of these trades that that we made and we swung. You know, a lot of the focus were on the draft picks and the young, young players, but we got a lot of veterans and a lot of them have thus far been rumored in trades and have been rumored as opposing teams throughout the league having interest in them as well. Who's the first vet you think gets traded? Uh, You know, it's a good question.
1: Just kind of, so here's the thing is, a lot of times with these guys, and this is what I've been doing for the last, I mean, this is what I always do, I guess, but I just kind of try like to that. read the tea leaves. What is, like, what is Danny Ainge doing? You know, we know what Jazz Media says, and they're, you know, two months ago they were telling us the Jazz were really willing to go into the season with Donovan Mitchell. Yep, everybody and, grab your salt shakers. And, yeah, before Rudy Gobert was traded, they were saying, oh, you know, they're willing to make this work, you know, and then they do the complete opposite. Yeah. So Jazz Media right now is telling us before the preseason started, they, oh, the Jazz, you know, they might be pretty good. They might win like 40 games. Wouldn't be surprised. And then they go in the preseason, they lose by 20 to the Spurs. So I I think that, uh, I guess I'm not even really answering your question here, but the vets I think get traded are basically the ones that Danny Ainge can get what he thinks they are worth. Because that's basically what we've learned from Danny Ainge's. He doesn't make the move unless he thinks he can get, unless I guess two things. I think we've learned two things because, like you said, we didn't get a lot for Bojan McDonough. Yeah. They didn't, we didn't get what we thought. I, I got, the things I thought we'd get for Rudy were way more than I thought we'd get for Rudy. 100 yeah. And, and I guess in a way I kind of, it was a little more for Donovan than I expected to be honest. At least going, at, at least pre-Gobert trade. Uh, getting less for Boyang, I thought we'd get a first round pick for Boyang. I thought like, surely there's a team out there like the Lakers or something that would give us something. And it sounded like they offered us a first, but it was like heavily protected. But, uh, I think that basically it just boils down to Danny Ainge getting what he wants for Mike Conley. Because here's the other thing is they can just rest Mike Conley. They know that Mike Conley is not, uh, is not going to like, he's not going to play a lot if they think he's going to help them win games they shouldn't win so i could see mike conley resting on nights they're playing a worse team you know oh back soreness oh back of the back to back oh you know these types of things and so i don't know if they're actually going to trade mike conley but i think i guess if i had to predict it would be mike conley because he's such a I mean, he's still a high level offensive player in terms of efficiency i I don't know if he impacts as much as people think, just because he's he's not as fast as he was. He's never been a big guy. He's not like you know he's not beating people with his quickness, so basically what he is now is kind of a off the ball three point shooter that can kind of run a secondary pick and roll and can run against second units and things like that. Um, But if you start having a lot of things dependent on Mike Conley, we saw in the playoffs, you're in trouble a little bit. But so I think he could be someone that maybe like the Mavericks get interested in. Obviously, the Lakers might get interested in him. um, If things go, things are already going sideways for the Lakers. So We'll see. Like,
0: oh man, <laughs> those those videos of Pat Bev trying to trying to make the, the huddle work with the Lakers and Russ is just doing his <laughs> own thing. Oh my goodness, you uh, love to see well, the, and the guys over at the Lakers bloggers
1: over the Silver Screen Roll. Right. They are just they are already devastated. <laughs> They're already having a bad time. It's not good. But I think the players that we're not going to trade is Jordan Clarkson. Why would you trade Jordan Clarkson? He is like, I mean, he is wearing the Tank Commander helmet. He is fantastic. And the best part about this season, one thing I'm excited about, is watching uh, Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton play my turn, my turn uh, on offense. That's going to be amazing because it's going to be really inefficient. (laughs) And and we're going to have, every time Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton are on the floor together, it's my favorite. It's absolutely my favorite. And it is just absolutely like... Little baby steps towards lottery night. And so. But I think Mike Conley will eventually be traded. I think I think he's probably the first. I don't know. You know, we may see some other trades. Like, oh, you know what? Scratch that. I think Malik Beasley gets traded first. Okay. okay. I think the Jazz will find a way to trade him soon. Because the thing about Malik Beasley is he's a good high-level shooter. I, I forgot about Malik Beasley. I think there's a team out there that does give a first-round pick for Malik Beasley. Because I, I think they do legitimately want to play Ochag Baji. Like I think that, I think that Danny Ainge legitimately wants him to get on the floor. It's better to develop him than just have Malik Beasley shooting 42% from three. I mean, that does, that's great. It's not really doing anything for the Jazz when he could be doing
0: that for the Lakers or whoever. Yeah, Will Hardy, You know, by all reports, he is going all out trying to win every single game, optimize the roster, optimize every single minute. And if that's the case, having Beasley and Jordan Clarkson on the team is resulting, we're seeing it, it means that Oshai is just not playing. And so the longer that they those two stay on the team, it just means we're, we're not going to see him. And, uh, so, well, and I think that's kind of where we swerve a little bit. You were going to say something,
1: though. Oh, I was going to say, that's actually something I was thinking about the other day, and I was going to write about it, and I just forgot. But you were, you were reminding me. Honestly, like of all the people that develop this year, isn't – Will Hardy, the most important? I mean... Isn't it... You want him to get, like... So he's used to, like, running lineups and units and playing his best players and getting them comfortable, managing personalities. I wonder if the first third of the season is really just, like, Will Hardy development. It actually works out perfectly for the Jazz because the start of the season is absolutely brutal. It's awful. They're going to lose. So even if you don't trade Mike Conley or not, you're still developing Will Hardy. And because that's the thing is, like... You know who's going to be on this team in four years with whoever the Jazz draft? Will Hardy is. So, really, isn't he like the most important? I could see like literally every player on this team not being on the team in four years. Especially Even like Colin Sexton, who has a contract through that. Day. If you go look at the Jazz contracts, there's no like there's like two players that are on the Jazz in three years. Yep. So, honestly, Will Hardy's probably the most important. And so, I think this first part of the year, and I think he's going to continue to do it, he's going to play. He's gonna hurt my feelings he's gonna hurt everyone's feelings and ochag Baji, when you have mike conley jordan clarkson colin sexton you know malik beasley it's really hard to find minutes for ochag bhaji and so that's why malik beasley probably gets traded at some point he's actually a pretty similar player to ochag Baji, kind of more of a uh Spot up shooter, play off of a guard type player. So I, I just think Malik's probably traded probably soon. Yeah. And, I, could, I could see it. And yeah. then, and it's a chance for Will Hardy to manage those personalities. Seems like he's doing a pretty good job, to be honest. The players seem happy in a situation that could be kind of, you know, someone like Malik Beasley could get pretty frustrated pretty fast. And he seems like he's handling it, so I think it's a good sign.
0: Yeah, off the court, you know, cohesion type, buy-in, relationships, communication. I think Hardy's already there. It's some of that on-the-court stuff that, you know, I think, I think he's, you know, making mistakes. In. Why wouldn't he, right? You know, it's, hey, in three, four years, you know, if, if those mistakes are, are kind of happening, that's when you're just like, oh, hey, is this the guy who, who carries us into the next era? But uh, really quickly, it's, it's interesting, you know, those, those guys you picked, because I kind of picked, because I kind of swerved the other way, thinking, oh, hey, Jordan Clarkson might be the first that, that gets traded. And I totally get your, your thoughts about him being kind of that culture fit, excellent contract. You know, being kind of this connector, and I think all those things are true. I just think he's definitely got a market, and mm. um, and we've already seen some teams being whispered as as really report really interested in him, and I, I just kind of wonder if if you know th- another team almost makes makes him available, you know, g- given the package o- almost in a similar way that Rudy. He was kind of available, but all of a sudden when Minnesota, you know, came to Danny was like, you know, here's our offer. He was like, oh, okay, yeah, Gobert is available, you know. So um, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I was thinking on the first vet that gets traded and and, uh, maybe a vet that doesn't. I was thinking Mike Conley just because, you know, everything we've been hearing is that contract. People don't like that $14 million guarantee next year. It's actually a, a large amount. Yeah, I mean, it really he's making is. like 22 next year. And I honestly, yeah. I honestly got a lot of like, I don't know, empathy for him when he started talking about the family situation. He's like, even if I get traded, like my family's staying here. You know, they're doing the sports here. You know, they love the school. We just we adore our neighborhood, our our uh, our friends, our neighbors. So I actually kind of got a little empathy for him there, and, and it almost feels like, uh, you know that uh, Jazz, you know, if it it comes around and it works great, I think they'll do it, but maybe not go out of their Mm -hmm. way. Ultimately, I think we can agree that the Jazz uh, are not in a position, as they have been and and maybe shouldn't have been in the past, at the point where they need to be attaching assets to get rid of these guys. You know? Oh, definitely not. And that's the best thing about the Danny Ainge era so far, is
1: even though we didn't get a lot for Boyan, we did not give up anything. Right. You know, we've seen the Jazz make such boneheaded trades where they're giving up first-round picks. I mean, next year we have to be a bottom 10 team or we give up our pick to the Thunder. Yeah. And we're competing with the Thunder this year for Victor Wimbanyama. So it's just, that's the other thing is he... And like you said, I mean, Jordan Clarkson could get traded if, if Milwaukee calls and said, hey, we'll give you, you know, an unprotected first next year or something like that, then I'm sure Danny will just be like, Okay. And do it, but it kind of just depends on who needs them. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm sure Danny knows that. Someone's going to have an injury in the first 20 games of someone and they'll come calling and the Jazz are definitely open for business, you know, so.
0: So let's uh, switch, switch gears a little bit and talk about some lineups and specifically some rotations. You know, we saw some glimpses of of what uh, Will Hardy is likely to do starting the season, you know, with the uh, with the starting lineup and um, and the the backups are a little bit more nebulous. You know, we saw him getting a bit creative. You know, uh, we didn't see see Taylor Horton Tucker at all in that first game until the very end. But then he started seeing some heavier minutes in a backup role in the subsequent games. So, what has kind of been your favorite rotation wrinkle? It could be you know a single player combinations uh, or just you know general strategy. What what's kind of been your favorite wrinkle? For me, it's just I've actually been surprised how fun it's been to kind of watch um,
1: Talon Horton Tucker, like you mentioned. He's just been fun. I have been kind of surprised at how good he is at getting to the rim. Um, He looks like he's eaten a lot of cheeseburgers (laughs) this off season. (laughs) So the fact that he, like, can get to the rim with how big he is, is, like, it's pretty impressive. And he's legitimately big. He looks like he's 6'8", 6'9". And I do like kind of the... I wouldn't mind... it I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see more and more of him. Because he kind of fits that mold a little bit of what you need to win in the league. You need, like, a big wing that can initiate offense and pass. And he kind of, in a weird way, fits that role that... He's like in the mold, obviously, obviously, not even even remotely near the guys like the Luka is out there. But he is similar in that he's a big, he's got big size, yeah. he plays from the wing, and you can create an offense kind of like that where he can initiate. So I think it's kind of been fun to watch him play. Um, and, you know, obviously the Walker-Kessler minutes have been just, a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> he does like he's had a few i mean his last two three games he does something every night where i'm like holy cow <laughs> this guy's like legit uh you know who else just watching larry Markinen. Uh-huh. yeah he's fun yeah he's a fun player i think just watching him kind of show that he's more than just kind of a spot-up three-point shooter who's big he can do a little bit there's a little bit of boy on there with kind of a little bit of a mid-range turnaround and things like that. So those are some of the things that I've had fun watching. And honestly, my most fun will be seeing Baji get more minutes. Like he might, once we see him, that's going to be my favorite. Yeah. That, I don't care how bad he plays. I don't even care. I want to watch him.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I,
1: it, and it's the first thing that's going to make me angry is if he plays really well. And I'll be like, why, Will? Why? Why did we wait? No, it's not – we haven't even started yet, you know. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. We're just getting our feet wet. Um, <laughs> I think the my favorite, you know, kind of wrinkle with rotations and, and kind of how the lineups have shaken out probably is Walker Kessler, and you touched on it. Like, it felt like from, you know, immediately in that Toronto game, backup center. All the backup center minutes. And I know that, you know, kind of over the, the off season. When the trades happened, we kind of thought, oh, you know what? We might deploy uh, Jared Vanderbilt or Laurie in spot minutes at the five. And I do think we'll see, you know, some permutations of that for, for little stretches. Um, but I, I totally did not expect Walker Kessler to cement himself as the clear backup five with Cody Zeller. I mean, mm-hmm. like him or not, the dudes lasted eight, nine years in the NBA as mm-hmm. as a rotational big man. And so it wasn't just a given that a rookie would just come in and from the first preseason game just immediately be, I'm the back of five. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I really, really like his his high IQ. And I, I think the feather in his cap compared to Doak, because he, he does not compare to Doak in the athleticism, in the frame, not even close. However... What I've been impressed with Kessler is that he strings together four or five six good decisions and he'll inevitably have some bad decisions and he'll inevitably get tricked, right? By uh, by these awesome awesome players. But uh, I've just seen him, sh- you know, string together a couple minutes or several plays sequences in a row of just good decisions, solid decisions, and I just think that is a major major win and something I didn't anticipate. In preseason We haven't even started yet <laughs> No, I I think he's a blast And I the, the player I kind of
1: He kind of makes me think of Is honestly Hassan Whiteside a little bit Where I was wor- I kind of thought that he has a chance Because he broke the single season record at Auburn yeah. For block shots The guy knows how to block shots and, and he's big And he knows how to catch the ball And he can kind of do things with it when he's near the rim So he kind of reminded me of Whiteside He actually moves better than I thought so that's going to be kind of a wrinkle. I, I just, how well does he move in space? I don't know if he'll ever be a starting level center on a really good team, but I can, I think he can develop into a really good backup big on a on a really good team, um, especially if he can move his feet. Because, yeah, and he's not a stretch big, and I don't think he needs to be. Like he doesn't have to be. Um, I think that that right there is probably the only reason why he's probably not even starting for us at this point because i think he's been better than than Olenek in a lot of ways if we're being honest i mean his his foul rate is that of a rookie yeah. you know he fouls a lot and that's just comes with being a rookie but if he could stretch the floor i wouldn't be surprised if he would be starting the only issue is that i think the big thing that they're trying to do it's pretty clear is they want to develop jared vanderbilt yep. mm-hmm. and Olinick fits with Vanderbilt better because Olinick can stretch the floor a little bit. Yeah. And so that provides a little more of a better unit on offense, but if if you know, if Vanderbilt could shoot the 3 or if if Kessler could shoot the 3, I think they'd be starting or at some point, but because of that, I think you know, that's probably why they haven't been playing. I do think that's a big thing. They have made, made a very big point to develop Jared Vanderbilt. We saw in that first preseason game he had he led the team with like six something assists so obviously they're working on some things where they have Jared Vanderbilt initiating from the wing you know it's the same kind of idea you have a big um big player who is initiating things from the wing and Jared Vanderbilt's doing it Talon Horton Tucker's doing it we'll probably see it more it's probably why we see some of these guards get traded so we can see a little more of that because we know what Danny Ainge likes to do. He likes to draft big scoring wings. You know, it was Paul Pierce. And then it was Jason Tatum. And then in this draft, we'll see. If it's not Wimben Yama. I wouldn't be surprised if he took Amon Thompson too. I'm sorry, I'm already going to <laughs> <laughs> But I wouldn't be surprised if Amon Thompson is like number two on his board. Or like Cam Whitmore. But Amon Thompson... Yeah. Anyway, so I think they're already prepping for next season. I think it's like... Figuring out who on this roster will be on it next yep. year.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, most of these guys are not going to be. So, you know, some, a lot of this stuff is spilt milk. But, yeah, if we can see a little bit of... Um, that's the reason why I want to see Ochagbaje. Because I see him fitting on those types of teams. And I just want to see him defend, actually. That's the other thing. Can he defend? That's what
0: I want to watch. Yeah, clearly, you know, we we touched on, you know, our favorite wrinkles. And clearly, Oshai is our least favorite result from what we've seen in lineups and rotations, Mm -hmm. just the fact that he's not playing until the very end of games where, you know, frankly, as the 14th pick in last year's draft, you know, he should be playing with better players than Stanley Johnson and, right, a lot of the guys we just cut. Well, yeah, and the thing that was frustrating, too, in this
1: preseason is, you know, and I was rooting for Jared Butler, but he was not doing a very good job of setting other guys up. It was kind of like he's an isolation player, but we got plenty of those. We got Colin Sexton. We got Jordan Clarkson. That's kind of what, um, um, what's his name? Jared Butler has become, you know, when Ochai Baji's on the floor, you need someone who can set him up, which is probably why Mike Conley's going to stay on this team for a while, uh. Just another isolation scorer is not something... Another undersized isolation scorer is not what we needed. We have, like, five of those, <laughs> which is probably why Jared Butler's, you know, gone. So, yeah, I, that's probably why. Uh, and so, yeah, I I just want to see Joe Ochai. I want to see Agbaji uh-huh. get all the minutes, all of them. We'll see. I bet he will, too. Danny Ainge isn't stupid, you know. He's not dumb. He's thinking the same things we are, you know. I I, I don't know. He has no... And that's the other thing, too, is people need to consider is that he traded for him. Like, Danny Ainge traded for Ochai. It's not like... It's not like Dennis Lindsay who had his, like, loyalties to players like like you mentioned, Dante Exum's or Rudy Gobert's and wanting to do these types of... You know, he didn't have any sort of loyalty to any of them, including Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, and all these guys. So,
0: Yeah, what made um, the Cleveland we'll deal work wasn't the three first-round picks, because to even get in the same book, Cleveland had to put in those picks. What got them on the same page were the pick swaps and Oshai and and that's what made it work. And, mm-hmm. you know, Colin Sexton, you know, doing that sign-in trade, that's what, you know, helped make the money work, and it made sense because Cleveland was already out on him. But, but ultimately, that's, that's what, mm-hmm. you know, greased the wheels. I am desperate to see a lineup of Colin Sexton, Oshai Abaji, Simone Fontecchio, Laurie Markinen, yeah. and Jared Vanderbilt. <laughs> I need to see this lineup. <laughs> and with Oshai relegated to, you know, the third unit, we have yet to see it in the preseason, and I I cannot wait to see those five on the floor together.
1: That'll be really fun. It would be. It's gonna be fun, actually. You know, it's funny. People were so worried about the All Star Game, and oh no, we're gonna have an All Star Game in Utah and not have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Well, guess what? They still have like the World versus the U.S. game, <laughs> yeah. so we're gonna see Simone Simone Fontecchio in that game. Will be... Probably see rising stars. We'll see probably Walker Kessler on the rising stars game if he plays pretty well off the bench. Um, we'll get a chance to see him. He, Simone Fontecchio, you mentioned him. He will probably be in that world versus, uh, yeah. you know the U.S. game, and that'll be fun to watch. I just I think Baji can be a really fun player if he just gets a chance. And so hopefully Danny just makes a trade here pretty soon. And I you know. I I just – I love Mike Conley. I like your idea with Colin Sexton, how he can set them up because, you know, he's on the team for five years. We might as well play him. Uh, Mike Conley, can we play him with uh, Ochai just to get him a nice setup guy or just trade him so that we can get these guys more minutes? That's what I want.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So the other interesting thing rotation lineup-wise is that Colin Sexton, outside of the San Antonio game where Conley set out due to rest – Interested to see if we see a lot more of that, you know, as the season gets underway. But Mm -hmm. uh, is Colin Sexton came off the bench and and has continued to come off the bench. (laughs) And uh, I think a lot of us thought, hey, you know, he was healthy coming into the preseason. Ultimately, they asked him about it and he's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, getting my legs back under me and kind of acclimating back to, you know, this level of basketball again. So curious with Mm -hmm. Colin and and Oshai, how soon before we see Colin in the starting lineup and Oshai just – in the rotation. What, what are your thoughts there? Um, I, you
1: know, I think it's really up to Will Hardy. And Will Hardy's been having Colin Sexton come off the bench, and it kind of makes a little bit of sense. I mean, it is nice to have that sixth man who can score. And I do think Will Hardy's been kind of doing things in a way that kind of prepares for these guys down the road. Or at least doing things and setting guys in situations where he think they thinks they'll play best. And I think, in his opinion, for Colin Sexton, that is playing off of the bench. I think he's going to be a sixth man. I don't think he's going to really be starting anytime soon. Uh, just because I think that that's kind of the the role they envision for him. I'm sure he'll start all, a good amount of games this year. Like you said, um, you know, Mike Conley's going to get a lot of rest. They're not going to, like, overwork Mike Conley. There is, like, no reason to overplay Mike Conley. I mean... The reason you play Mike Conley is so that you can help other players on the team know what it's like to play with a high-level point guard setting you up and running a system and, and you know, having that kind of veteran presence and, and things like that, good locker room, things like that. But winning games is not important this year. It's just not. And so I think that um, – I think the role I see for Colin Sexton is off the bench, and I think he just is going to be allowed to just go score – um it's interesting because that's kind of the same role that jordan clarkson has but we've seen jordan clarkson start more than colin sexton so maybe you're right maybe there is just some trades out there for jordan clarkson that just haven't been finalized i don't know but i think they do probably look at the dream for me is to have ochag bhaji start and then have colin sexton off the bench and those are kind of like the roles i could see them for the future Mm. You know, if Ochai Agbaje doesn't develop, whatever, who cares? We are going to get our best players in the draft next year anyway. And we have so many draft picks from these others that, you know, it's okay. But I would like to see him... I would rather see Ochai Baji start than Colin Sexton, because I think Colin Sexton can just prove to be this really nice scorer. I mean, he's been pretty efficient in his time on the floor. He hasn't been a good defender. He's just not. He hasn't really proven that he can. Maybe he will this year. That's something to watch. But um, overall, I think his role is a heat check, come in, kind of that energy scorer that comes in and gets buckets, and that's his job. And I I think that's kind of what they see for him because he can do that, and he's shown that he's kind of a guy. And that's an important – I'm sorry, I'm just going off, but like, that's kind of an important skill. Absolutely. Having a guy that can come off the bench, especially in the playoffs, and can get you 10 to 15 points in a game and that you don't have to set him up. You don't have to run a play for him. You know, he can go and isolate and get you a bucket here and there. And I think they want to develop that so that in two or three years he can do it. You know, when Victor Weminyama's on the bench, let Colin Sexton go get points, (laughs) you know? So I, I don't know. So that's kind of what I see for him. And I, I'm, you know, if he starts, great. I just don't really. The when I watch him play, that's not really what I see. I mean, I think we are so used to hoping Donovan could kind of be that, and Quinn Snyder didn't really give him a chance to be that, um, and the front office didn't either by bringing over Mike Conley. But I just don't know if, if anything, I think Donovan Mitchell was a better playmaker than Colin Sexton is. Oh yeah, Colin I Sexton think so. is. So I just, I just don't see that. I don't, I don't. I just see him as a sixth man is kind of what I do, especially at his size. If he was like 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, then it would be a different story, but he's not, you know, so.
0: Yeah, I, I've i kind of come to the opinion similar to you that I don't think you see those big shifts, Abaji clearly in the rotation or Colin Sexton in the starting lineup, unless one of those, you know, three vet guards that are – staples of the rotation in Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, unless one of them's traded. And uh, that that mm-hmm. does make me sad, particularly on Oshai, though it makes a lot of sense as, as you, you know, go through the thought process on, on Colin it makes a lot of sense for why, you know, he's he's likely to be a staple of the bench. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I mean we say bench as if it's a bad thing, but like, you know,
1: in the playoffs you have six seven man rotation and each role is like vital and we've seen that and yeah. being the sixth man it's like an important role and he'll be on the floor with starters and probably play 20 25 minutes i yeah but like you said that's kind of where i kind of land <laughs>
0: All right, so we're going to shift gears again a little bit now and talk major storylines that will be percolating throughout the entirety of the season. And clearly James' favorite is going to be surrounding the draft where the Jazz will have Mm -hmm. not one... Not two, (laughs) but three first-round picks in the upcoming draft. They're going to have their own pick, which is fully unprotected. They're going to have the Minnesota pick, fully unprotected. And then they will have the worst pick of the Philadelphia 76ers, Brooklyn Nets, and Houston Rockets. So a few bites at the apple in next year's draft, and it is a doozy of a draft. Everybody's ultimate goal Everybody's salivating over the alien Victor Wembanyama, but uh, what I'm curious for you is who are who are you still curious about in, in the draft? You know who are who's that guy up in the top? You know we know we know about Victor, right? We even know about Scoot, mm-hmm. really. You know that uh, that ignite mm-hmm. uh, Metropolitan ninety-two that that those, that two-game matchup told us a ton about those two guys. But who who's that other guy in that in that top tier that you're like I got to be checking in on him throughout this whole season because I want to know more about that guy.
1: Well, I think people need to understand that Scoot Henderson Victor Weminyama game was like I don't think I, I, I think it's almost like undersold how big of a deal that was. Because last year, Victor Weminyama and Scoot Henderson were actually in similar situations because Victor Weminyama was coming off the bench and he was putting up like... I mean, I was watching those things and I was talking to some of my friends who cover that stuff and he is just... I mean, last year you were seeing these flashes. You're like, oh my gosh. Can you imagine what happens when they actually let him start and actually play? (laughs) And the same thing with Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson was on the G League at night last year. Like, he was there. We could have all gone and watched Scoot Henderson. Problem was, he was coming off the bench. So that's what was so cool is, like, that was, like, this is, like, the first time both of them are starting. Both of their teams are making them the focal point, and they absolutely just – I mean, that's why those two guys really are, like, number one, number two. I think you can argue number two a little bit, actually. But both of them just have the mentality – um, just to add to the Victor Wim, Yama stuff, I was talking to Rafael Barlow, who was, who's really close friends. Well, not close friends, but he he has a lot of, a good connection with, with Rudy's Rudy's agent. Well, it's Rudy and Victor's agent. Right, correct. Correct. Uh, Victor is like, I mean, he, honestly, <laughs> it's just gonna crush my soul if when we don't win. Right it. when because yeah, he's just like, it's not even just like the talent. It's not even the talent. The guy is so smart, apparently. I mean, and it just makes sense. You see, like, what he was doing a year ago to what he's doing now. The development of his game, he just he just picks it up. You know, things that take some players maybe a season or two to kind of, like, get comfortable. And, like, and it kind of dawns on them how to do this. And, oh, if I do that, you know. He's just, like, picking it up. And he's not even in the league yet. So, obviously, Victor's number one. There's no question.
0: Anyone who thinks that he's not going to number one is a moron. Uh, I did think I did think prior to, to that two-game two, uh, standoff, you know, between Metropolitan 92 and the G League, Nine, I thought that there was a slim chance that, hey, if medicals were slightly oh. suspect or, you know, people might just psych themselves out, you know. And I just, there's no that's chance. The thing is I, there's I, no chance.
1: I just – I saw all that stuff, and I was like, you guys – I'm telling you, you guys, this is pure utter silliness. Go watch it. Go look. It's just he's out of this world. He's out of this world. And so when he, and the thing is is even for, you know, people who have followed him so much, like even Raphael who was at that game, he like who's following him more than anyone, just it was mind-boggling. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. It's beyond even what you kind of expected. Yep. Anyways, I guess to get to your question, I think Victor and Scoot really are, like, probably number one and number two on most people's boards. Right. There's... I haven't... I've looked at a little bit with Nick Smith. Um, you look at this draft, though. It really is unreal. I mean, this, what you want out of your top pick is you want the tools of a superstar. It, you know, if mm-hmm. you come out of the draft, you want someone that has, you know, the tools to be that thing. Because... You can be the most athletic, the most, you know, gifted with skill and like all these different things like Donovan Mitchell, but in the end, he's six foot one. He just, and maybe not even that, he might be six foot and that's just going to put a cap on what you can be unless you become just an out of this world shooter like a Damian Lillard or something like that. But. That's why Scoot Henderson. There, I think there's a little bit of debate on whether you want to take him, too. It's you probably are because it's a for sure all-star player you're getting, just for sure. Uh, but I tell you what, Amon Thompson gets me so he he cooks my bacon, he he rubs my feet, and he puts me to bed at night, and I sleep really well. He's <laughs> like. It's like he is like i'm telling you you go watch amen thompson and Asar thompson play and it is like i'm gonna get emotional no
0: <laughs> the past you watch
1: these guys no it's not even the past that's, that's what gets me that's
0: what gets me that
1: that's well that's what gives amen the kind of the the leg up on Asar yep. a little uh-huh. bit is Most people consider him to be a better player, and he's kind of showing that. I mean, the Overtime Elite is this kind of... I don't even completely understand what it is. It's kind of its own league they've created uh in a way that's not the G League, but they're setting up exhibitions, which is cool. It would be really cool if the Thompson Twins could play uh, Metropolitans and play Victor. That would be really cool. Holy
0: cow, that would be
1: insane. or, or, Or Scoot, like if they could find a way to get them... I mean, I think this is honestly... This is another thing that maybe people aren't even talking about, too. Is like, this is the death of college basketball. <laughs> because if you can set up these games where you have, you know, set up exhibitions where, oh, let's watch Victor versus Scoop. Or now let's set up uh, Asar and Amen versus, versus Victor. And just, what does that look like? It's like, and it's fun. I will watch all of it. It's fun. So anyways, the thing about Asar and Amen is their athleticism is out of this world. They might be the best athletes we've ever seen. That's what's crazy. In a draft where we're seeing Victor Weminyama, who is a player like we've never seen, uh, we've just never seen anything like him. I know you know, Tony Jones has kind of mentioned, what's his name, Ralph Thompson or whoever. Uh, no, Victor's better than that. And like, uh, you know, Scoot Henderson actually kind of reminds me of, do you remember John Wall when he came in the oh, league? Yeah. He was pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty awesome. That's kind of who Scoot reminds me of a little bit. If he can be a better shooter, then he'll be incredible. But he kind of reminds me of John Wall a little bit. We've kind of seen Scoot in other players, but the athleticism with Amen Thompson, they look like they're on springs. It looks so effortless. It's really crazy. Like, it honestly looks so... It's wild. And it's just, like, so smooth and easy. And so they are a lot of fun. They have, like, all the potential in the world. And that's what Raphael... I had to talk to Raphael and do him on the SLC Dog podcast because he put in a little scenario that is actually my favorite scenario. I think that like if the Jazz don't get Victor, I want them to trade all their picks so they they, they can get Aman and Asak <laughs> and put them on the same team and have them be your two wings because one you'll have the two you'll have the most athletic set of wings in the league immediately. They can develop together and apparently they like what he said is they are very like they're very much similar to like other twins. They want to be together, and so it's kind of a situation where like, you know, maybe you keep the ten, the twins for ten years because you know it's hard to sign both Asar and Amen. If you draft them both, you can give them the big contracts and keep them on the same team, and maybe they're, I don't know. That's my favorite little scenario, yeah. and I actually. If you win the number two pick, it's it's honestly a devastating thing because you missed out on Victor. Yeah, you get Scoot, <laughs> and yeah, everyone's like trying to make ourselves feel better, like oh, Scoot's great. No, you missed out on Victor. It it just, but maybe you can trade Scoot and get a Sar and Amen somehow. You know, maybe you can figure out a way to make that happen.
0: Yeah, we've been talking um, about it to death, but uh, just the way that uh, the way the lottery is now, now you're. You're at such a disadvantage from how the old lottery odds were, you know, in, in those top spots. And now 86% of the time, if you if you play this out 100 times, 86 out of 100 times, you're missing out on Victor. And that's just, yeah. You, you said it pretty appropriately earlier. When we miss out on Victor, we just need to start thinking that way. When we miss out on him so we don't fall into a... A deep state of depression but uh i, I totally well, get what your you're saying on the thompson twins
1: oh I, I i love them. i haven't you know cam whitmore is
0: he's the guy i was going to talk interesting.
1: about interesting yeah i mean he's another guy that's just absolute physical beast just an absolute he looks like one of those guys that's just going to tear the rim off the off the backboard every time he dunks it he's just a beast I, I don't know how else to describe him just he incredible. plays so much bigger than it.
0: what he's listed at at 6 six and uh, you know I'm not exactly sure oh, how man. you know how, how much he can shoot and stuff but you know he's he's so he's already there athletically and with the body I mean the dude is just just so solid plays so big um, and, and he's the guy I'm just gonna be checking on a lot because I'm just not exactly sure who or what he is. Uh but uh I, I'm just really excited to see like, hey, when he's not the biggest uh and the tallest guy out there, you know, he's already he's he's gonna be, you know, on par with people, but he's no longer just gonna dwarf people like he is in high school. And so when he's comparable to people, you know, what style of play does he gravitate to? So that's that's who I'm gonna be checking in as the process goes along.
1: Yeah, he's yeah, you watch his highlights, and the guy is just an absolute dunk highlight reel. And it's just like, he's so strong. You can just see it. And I think that's the other thing, too, is kind of looking at the history of what Danny Ainge has drafted, it's been wings. So I really just think, you know, I, I would give anything in this world to be in the draft room with them and just, just be there and see what their draft big board looks like. But obviously, Victor's won. I mean, there's no question. But then I don't know if Scoot is, like, number two. I don't know. You know, the thing about Danny is he killed that draft where he got Jason Tatum. Because remember, he won the number Uh one overall pick. Yep. He won the number one overall pick. That's the thing. Could you imagine if Danny Ainge wins the number one overall pick and trades out of it? (laughs) Because he decides maybe, like, Ahmed Thompson is a better player. Yeah, I doubt that happens because, you know, I think Danny knew that – I forgot his name that went with number one, but I think he knew that he wasn't, and he made the right move. An interesting uh, thought exercise
0: is to think about who is the best player currently in the NBA that the GM who lands that number one overall pick and can draft victor, what what's the best player in the league that would entice a GM to actually trade the pick that will eventually be Wimbanyama? I don't know the oh, answer. Oh, I mean... Maybe no one? I... I, I don't know, I don't, genuinely. I don't think... The, ce- the
1: ceiling is uh, is in- insane. It's really like... I, I don't know who I would trade... Oh, that's the question. If the Jazz win the number one pick, what would you actually trade that for? Like, I'm not trading it for Steph Curry. Steph Curry's got a year left. I'm not trading it for... I mean, I don't even think I'd trade it for Luka Doncic. I don't think... I don't... I. It's truly
0: unprecedented.
1: (laughs) Like I just, he has potential to be not just like the best player in the league, but one of the best players ever. And so I just, I don't know. It's a wild thought, but Giannis, I guess. But then you still have to build a team around him. I, man. Yeah,
0: the one interesting one is just you know Zion Williamson and all of the picks that New Orleans has. You know they're they're within a thro- stone's throw of the draft capital Utah has now, right? They're not too far behind. Mm-hmm. You know the Jazz in Oklahoma City, but I don't know if if you were actually well, able to is- be that lucky and get that number one pick. Do you really have the stones? I I don't think so. Well, I just I just don't think you do. I mean, I mean even if
1: you trade, you get all those picks to get a guy like yep. Victor. Yeah. That's why you do it.
0: Okay, so let, so the other storyline that will be interesting this year um, is the Minnesota Timberwolves. They, you know, we know that third pick that's the worst of the Rockets, 76ers, and Nets. That one's going to be in the mid to late 20s, uh, pretty surely. The Minnesota one has a lot of variance there, you know, and it seems like any national podcast you listen, you listen to, everybody's either super in on Minnesota or fairly out on Minnesota. And, and so you'll see them as high as, you know, the 2 or 3 seed in the west uh, or in the play-in depending on on who you talk to. And and that's that's the one that's that's going to be really interesting because of that variance. I mean, could you imagine Minnesota ends up in the 7th seed and things just break terribly and they fall out of the play-in? That, I mean, that would be I it's the the only thing is that
1: and we know this from watching Rudy. Rudy raises your floor to a pretty high level. Yep. It's just really hard to lose a lot of games when Rudy Gobert's playing. Now, if Rudy gets hurt, that's one thing. But when Rudy's on the floor, it's just hard to lose games, just because he, you know, his defense is that impactful. You know, we'll, we're already kind of seeing it a little bit. They're trying to like include him in the offense, and I think they think they can do a better job. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> I mean, let them kind of. <laughs> let them have that be their problem they talk about every night but i i just i just don't see them not being at least i just think they're going to be top 3 in the west i i just have a hard time not seeing them yeah win a lot of games i mean they, it just makes a lot of sense and i know uh you know i could be co- totally wrong maybe i'm rudy biased but i just you know even if like cat isn't very good at defending people at the four spot and you know, Anthony Edwards is kind of a variable with them because he does have really big potential. Yeah, he's their ceiling I mean, right he there. Takes another... Yeah, he's like he's like the guy, like, does he take another lead? You know, does he become an even more efficient scorer with his athleticism and becomes just kind of this unbelievable player? You know, he has the potential to be kind of that guy. I mean, honestly, Anthony Edwards has a chance to be the best just with his physical tools, one of the top five players. But that's kind of – that's their question mark. Like, can yeah. he? Because if – but I think the thing is, is Rudy being on that team does raise their floor. It's just hard to lose games when Rudy Gobert's on your team.
0: Yeah, I have – what he does. Yeah, I have a real hard time seeing them having, you know, worse than about the seventh best record in the league, which – Yeah,
1: I mean, that's honestly like their floor. Yeah, that,
0: so that basically means, you know, at, at least from where we stand – you know, we're 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 thinking, you know, a mid twenties, you know, pick in the first round. Nothing to sneeze at. The Jazz, you know, have missed out on their their own pick right there in that spot for, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a season or two in the past. So it'll be it'll be awesome to have that asset. But it's going to be something that you know we're going to check in on throughout the entire season. It's a big storyline because all of a sudden, worst case scenario, things happen to where all of a sudden that pick's in the lottery. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Well,
1: if it falls in the if that falls in the lottery and we get two shots at Victor, I mean that's
0: incredible. It, it, it would be but massive. Actually, like,
1: I'm kind of look. I'm looking up just what um let's see what was Minnesota last year defensively.
0: Uh, I think they they were 12th if I remember from cleaning the glass.
1: Yeah, see that's 12. Were they 12th? I know they were like better than you thought. They were a little and better than were, you thought, uh, yeah.
0: They mostly did I it mean, kind of off the stuff that the jazz have like never done you know turnovers well and, stuff and I like think that. part of that was
1: like Jared Vanderbilt
0: kind of made yeah. them um,
1: this is not loading for me but I think they were better than you thought but you know they don't have Jared, Jared Vanderbilt who by the way was coming off the bench for them anyway so it's not like he was playing a ton of minutes uh, you had um, let's see so they had what was his name we traded for him um, Patrick Beverly mm-hmm. who I think is actually honestly a little underrated. Um, 13th. Having Rudy Gobert, were they 13th? Yeah. Okay. So I think having Rudy Gobert makes you a top 10 defense and it's just hard to lose a lot of games yeah. when you're a top 10 defense. Absolutely. It's really hard. And Rudy is efficient on offense, so he's going to add, you know, 4 to 6 points a game of efficiency for them because of his, you know, his offensive putbacks and things like that and his role rolling to the rim and so it's just yeah. I mean, I just they're not gonna lose to the bad teams in the league. You know, it's gonna be a little bit similar to the Jazz's number one seed season. It's just like they crushed, they crushed the bad teams. They won relatively comfortably against the average teams, and then it was interesting against the good teams. Yeah. Um, and I think that's gonna be kind of what happens with the with the Wolves. Like they are gonna absolutely decimate bad teams and then we'll, it, what'll be interesting is how good they are against like the clippers and 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 the bucks and all these like good teams how you know how do they look against those types of guys so but I, yeah i just have a hard time seeing them being below 7 i that means they got an injury of some sort that really set them back <laughs>
0: All right, no season preview would be complete without us giving some <laughs> predictions on the season that will inevitably show how amateur we really are. But it's fun nonetheless. <laughs> so let's uh, let's dive right in with kind of a wins projection and, and where that kind of translates to the end goal, which is our kind of ranking pre-lottery. Uh, so I'll start... Mm. Um, I'm thinking 23 wins for the jazz this year and uh, I think that puts them with the fourth best lottery odds uh, which is which is just a hair below the ultimate best odds of 14%. I think that puts you at 12 and a percent Ultimately very insignificant the difference there right in the old system that would have been like 13 percentage points now it's one and a half it's really not that much. And uh, and at the fourth best odds, you know, if there's five, six guys who are true franchise players, right, you've got Wimbenyama who's generational, but then you've got five to six guys who are true franchise, uh, you know, potential ridden players. Being the fourth best odds pretty much guarantees you, you know, you're in the 70% range of, of being in a position to draft them after the lottery is complete. So, uh, I think that we'll probably be tied about with one other team, you know, with with twenty three wins, and and depending how the season shakes out, you know, we may lose or, or gain the tiebreaker there or something. But uh, I think I think Oklahoma City and San Antonio are going to outtake us, and it's going to be hard to catch them.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I I I think that's a pretty good guess. Twenty three wins seems pretty. Like a like a smart pick. I think they're gonna win. I think they're gonna win like 18 games. Oh my gosh, I just, I, that would be pretty <laughs> Danny awesome.
0: Age,
1: Danny Ainge to me. Here's the thing. I he's given me everything I dreamed of and more, and I just I'm gonna. You've been asking this. for this
0: for like two years.
1: I have, and he's given me everything I've wanted this year, and I don't think he's gonna stop because everything I thought they probably. You know, it was things I was scared of saying sometimes because you, I get on Twitter and I say something and I have like 50 people come at me and say you're an idiot, go away. And it's like, okay. So I you get like afraid to like say what you're actually thinking. And he's done it all. Traded Rudy, traded Donovan, traded Bojan, traded all of them, and got an a, a better haul of picks than I dreamed. I thought Rudy was gonna gonna get us like a maybe two firsts, maybe. You know and what we got was just wild so i think and i just i I, sometimes i have to even remind myself because i i get on twitter just like everyone else's, and and i read these things that everyone says and you know i was writing about the jazz during the corbin years and before then when they were really bad and every year before then believe me people were saying yeah you know richard jefferson's pretty good you know David Locke told me that he doesn't turn the ball over ever, so maybe we win, like, five (laughs) extra games, you know? Like, (laughs) there were that was going on then, too. But, like, Danny Ainge, the guy who's been in more fights in the league because he's one of the most competitive guys out there, I just don't see that guy getting punched in the face by, like, you know, whoever, multiple times, letting himself lose to San Antonio and... And, like, Oglo, like, Sam Presti, I bet Danny Ainge looks at Sam Presti and just thinks, you serious? This guy? This guy's going to get the better? No, I just don't see it. I think Danny Ainge is going to absolutely let the Jazz lose every game he possibly can. And if at the slightest sniff of them being better than they should be, we will see Mike Conley traded. Like, you know, to whoever, the Orlando Magic, whoever, to, like, try to, like, make those losses come because that's truly like they've already done the hardest part the hardest part is already over you know now it's like losing games you know people already make fun of the jazz with like the uniforms you might as well like lose the games too (laughs) i i just the hardest part is already done i just have a hard time like it's hard for me to, like, say, yeah, we traded a franchise center who wanted to be here, loved it here. Everyone loved him a lot. Um, we also traded a guard that could score and, and got a shoe deal on a Utah Jazz basketball team. Uh-huh. We traded those guys, but we're not going to trade, you know, Jordan Clarkson. We're not going to trade Mike Conley. Like, come on. <laughs> like, it's like, I just, I guess I could be wrong. Maybe it really is important to them to, like, Build a culture and whatnot. I just, I don't know. I there's parts of me that are go, I are like, is he not trading Rudy Gay because he wants it to detonate the the locker room? <laughs> like, <laughs> is there like little things going on that are, you're like, maybe he's doing that just to, I don't know. I just have a hard time seeing Danny Ainge not competing for that number one draft pick.
0: So what do you think? Does I mean, he's, does 18 he's wins get get the Jazz, you know, the worst record well, and, and and cement that? Uh... That number one spot, because even though one, two and three have the same lottery odds, if one doesn't end up winning the lottery or or isn't picked, you know, they are first in the queue after after the four teams selected. So, you know, it it does matter. Uh, It just doesn't matter that much for, you know, the best odds for to win that number one pick, but it still matters. Does 18 wins do it? Well, I,
1: I hope so. I mean, I was looking at it last year. The Houston Rockets had twenty wins and they had the worst record in the league. And if we do what the Rockets did, what? Because didn't the Rockets get the third yep. pick overall? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, so that puts you is, right. Is, is they got skipped twice. Yep,
0: that puts you right in line that for Amen Thompson.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's why I'm like, let's go watch a lot of Amen tape. But anyways, I mean, I would be if that's what happened, I'd be fine with that. Because the thing is, is like, you know. Yes, the lottery odds are flattened. Yes, it's, like, the same if you're two or three. But if you're, like, let's say someone jumps both. Let's say you're the number two and number one is, like, the the thunder. And someone it jumps from, not like, be the seven thunder. and
0: eight. I'm just saying. It I know. It better not be.
1: But that's the th- Oh, my gosh. If they, I just, they've been trying so hard. It would be so funny if we got it after one year of trying. But anyways, like. The thing is is like let's say we're there one and we're two and like a team jumps from like 6 like you know and then another team from 8 that means we're at 4 instead of 3 you know yeah. so it's like that matters yeah. that really matters matter, yeah. because you want if you miss out on Victor and Amen and Scoop and Amen because you wanted to win a couple extra games I mean that's devastating that to me is just like I I just I don't know so I I think they're going to compete for it. I don't know if they'll be bad enough. They definitely got to move Mike Conley to be bad enough. They've definitely got to move Malik Beasley. I that, They're going to be traded at some point. Conley and Beasley will be moved. They may even be willing to move one of those late first-round picks this year to do it, to, like, clear space. And then they'll just sell it to the fans as, like, getting Ochai Bhaji. And I'll be like, yes, that was a good idea, you know. And, and so... Uh, I, I just think that's gonna happen and i you do want to get that one you just do it's it's it matters it really matters because if you end up at 6th like the thunder did when they won more games than they did and you know they it kind of worked out for them because who's their Australian guard they got that's actually looking pretty awesome um, uh
0: uh Josh giddy but, you're talking about
1: yeah they ended up with giddy at six which they kind of lucked out or five or six whatever it was but they they dropped way yeah, more six. than they wanted to yeah and, uh, you know, we can't do that. <laughs> if you can get top three, you go for top three. Like, come on. Let's do this right. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Um, you know, but they're going to be doing it as well. The Spurs have already kind of cleared the deck already. Uh, that's the funny thing is I could see the Spurs being a little bit interesting. Like, because Josh Primo's pretty decent. And Devin Vassell, pretty decent uh they've got that i mean they just yeah Keldon johnson
0: have, sneaky most approved player pretty
1: pretty yeah. decent like they're gonna have nights where they played like they played against us the other night and shoot it really well and and i don't see it in pop to try to lose the game i don't know maybe pop i don't know if pop won that overall record already or not but um man, yeah yeah i believe I, you did did he? Yeah. Okay, so he has nothing to. He doesn't have anything to go Supposedly
0: for. Supposedly, he's honestly, reinvigorated but. by coaching youngsters? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty maybe. interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe he wants a chance to coach Victor for one year and just see what that's like. But, uh, man, I, I just. You've got to get that one. You've got to try. You have to try
0: so let's uh, let's wrap up with just some uh, you know single single player answers uh, of who we think will fit in these kind of categories uh, who do you think is going to be kind of the MVP best player of the team you know as we look back uh,
1: MVP of the team I guess it just depends on what you think of as the MVP because if it's like the player that helps you win more games it's probably Laurie Markkinen. he's kind of looked like our probably our best player i think um you know if you're like actually trying to win i think mike conley is the mvp because he makes everyone better um i would say probably mvp of the team is probably larry mark yeah
0: that's where i, I go to uh,
1: yeah and no, i he's he's showing he's a pretty solid player i don't know if he's a good defender although even there he's kind of been a little interesting as a defender not too bad um health is the thing with him can he stay healthy and i don't know if he can Yeah. so that's actually one thing to watch this year
0: Interestingly the Jazz have three rookies Walker Kessler, Simone Fontecchio and Oshai Abaji. Um who do you think is the rookie of the year for the Jazz? I think it's I think
1: I think it comes down to minutes, and so I think it's Kessler. Yeah. Unless like uh or Fontecchio get like a ton of minutes, but they just haven't been. I think it's Walker Kessler. And I actually think Walker Kessler might eventually work work his way into the starting lineup. He might end up being just that good. And I think one thing I've noticed with Will Hardy I like is he does seem to allow players to earn their way. Yeah. You know, and they've kind of, and I don't know, you know, I always listen to like what the jazz media says and I'm always rolling my eyes a little bit. But the one thing they are mentioning is, you know, everything's a competition. And I think one thing that was so bad with the jazz the last two, three years was it just felt like nothing could be earned doesn't matter how good you played it didn't matter how poor you played things weren't going to change and i think one thing i'd like to see from will hardy is allow someone like walker kessler to earn his way in the starting lineup if he's that if he's good enough let him do it because i could see him being a better player than olenic i mean Olenek's an a solid veteran player but i don't think he's like you know unassailable in the starting lineup so that'll be kind of fun to see if 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 one, Kessler can develop, and two, if Will Hardy allows him to start.
0: So. All right, dose of realism. Who inevitably disappoints for the Jazz?
1: Um, just the Jazz themselves. They're going to lose a lot
0: of games. <laughs> but that's... Uh, yes, that is that is a dose of realism, but uh, that's, that's the ultimately no, just, optimistic and... way to look at it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess players... I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm... Feeling feelings of fear that maybe a Baji isn't very good. Maybe that's why he hasn't been playing. I don't know. So, I, I'm saying I hope it's not a Baji. Um I actually, you know who I think? I think it's, for me, and maybe this is kind of crazy, he's Jared Vanderbilt.
0: Mm.
1: Um, I kind of think like he's been kind of propped up to be this incredible defensive player and I'm kind of like, well, let's see. And I haven't, you know, I'm, that's one player I'm just going to watch a lot yeah. and Are you as good defensively as they say you are? Are you, like, as versatile? And so I think that's interesting. Like, Or is he... Does he, on a team with the Jazz where he's not very good and he actually has to, like, have more of a role, does he kind of look more like a second-round pick, you know, than a player that was playing with, like, multiple really good offensive players in Minnesota, you know? So.
0: Yeah, for me, this is... That could be one. Yeah, for me, this is you know, the softball of all softballs. You know, this one's super easy for me. I think it's Yudok Azubuki. We kept him. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) We kept him, and I don't anticipate anything. And so that alone, I think, you know, he's just, you know, who knows when he plays, when he plays for how long will he play, and when he plays, you know, will will it literally be a flash? Uh, Now you see it, now you don't type thing. And... And I just – I don't see the opportunity there. And so, yeah, for me, you know, maybe it's, you know – I'm clearly all out on Doke, okay? I get it. I get it. I'm clearly – Yeah, you're out. not a Doak fan, it looks like. <laughs> but uh, – Well,
1: and I, I just want to say I'm rooting for Vanderbilt. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah.
1: There's, it's kind of a crossroads for Vanderbilt because this is really his shot to show – he could be like – there's like two paths here where he could be like really incredible – or nba i think think
0: this is his fourth team uh if i do recall correctly and so i
1: can't remember i'm not totally sure but it's just a chance for him to really like show let's see
0: who did he get drafted by you know he was on denver then he got traded to minnesota and utah but i i feel like he was drafted by philadelphia 76ers oh you're right so he was on denver and minnesota you're right so he got
1: traded from denver to minnesota yeah, two seasons with Denver, three seasons with yeah. So he's actually been he's, he's been in the league longer than you think. So,
0: I mean, well I, yeah, his story so is incredible. I his story is incredible. I, I love a, that he's you know crafted a, a place for himself, and you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know without playing <laughs> with MVP or I guess pre MVP exactly. Nikola Jokic, and and without playing next to you know the greatest shooting center we've ever seen in carl anthony towns you know Mm -hmm. what 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 does he kind of look like so do the jazz have any all-stars representing in all-star weekend we we, we talked about (laughs) yeah no (laughs) you know we talked about some reasons to tune in and uh you know in, in the rising stars game um and some other events, but, uh, yeah, I, I, do, I don't anticipate any All-Stars. Closest might be Laurie Markkinen, but on as bad a team as the Jazz will have, like, he's basically going to need to be EuroBasket basket Laurie Markkinen in the NBA, more or
1: less. Oh, it's, I mean, if you just, it's hard to make the All-Star team. Yeah. Oh, whoops, sorry. Yep. Um, I, That was ESPN. Uh, Sorry, it's just for Laurie Markkinen to make the All-Star team, he has to uh, beat out LeBron James. He has to beat out Luka Doncic. He has to beat out Kawhi Leonard. He has to beat out Paul George. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. So many guys coming back so from injury
0: that weren't a part of the running last year who are going to make it so difficult. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's – I mean, maybe. Maybe he averages 30.
1: <laughs> I just don't see it. But, you know, someone has to score – and so maybe it's him but i just i just don't see it um i i think he has a chance for maybe most improved player
0: you know oh, yeah, sure, maybe yeah.
1: he comes i think he has a chance to do that cuz i could see him scoring 20 points a game for the jazz and really like being a nice prospect that maybe someone even looks at trading for but i don't know if he has a real shot at all star to
0: be honest yeah yeah that's a uh You know, that's a fair point because, you know, last year he was at just under 31 minutes a game, you know, played 61 games, and so, hey, that bumps up to 36, 37 minutes a game maybe. And uh, and he's going to have you know be much much more featured in the offense. You know his usage rate you know wasn't very high with uh, with Cleveland last year. So you know maybe just extra volume does kind of propel him maybe into a sneaky most improved player candidate. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our season preview. Hopefully, you've learned a a ton and are primed and stoked and ready for the season. Uh, If anything, at the very least, we learned two things. James Hansen will be watching extensive film on Amon Thompson and on last year's Houston Rockets, who had the worst record but somehow landed with the third pick, and uh, he's going to try to recreate that scenario for the (laughs) Jazz.
1: (laughs) If that's our fate, I'm okay with it. I'll accept that. Third overall is not bad. I mean, it's not number one. So,
0: so we can count on James <laughs> to uh, dive into the film on those two uh, to craft that scenario for us. James, thank you so much 100%. for uh, for joining me for the podcast. Um, tell us where you, we can find your work. You know, I mentioned at the top of the show, but remind our listeners where we can find your work. Uh, you know, brag on all your awesome projects, you know, the uh, the Donovan Mitchell oh, video well, and all, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, go, first off, go to SLC Dunk. And read that every
1: day. Um, the other thing is, go uh, search Hoops Nerd on YouTube and watch the videos on there. Um, I've got a few other things. I've been trying some new things that I think are pretty fun. Animating things takes a lot of time. I don't know if anyone knew this, but it's like. Uh, it takes a while. So you have to, like, make. Yeah. Anyways, I got a fun thing. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe if I learn how to not sleep, I can get one of these (laughs) things done that I've been working on (laughs) for opening night for the Jazz. Oh, awesome. Uh, But we'll see. I don't think it's going to be, but it's going to be early in the season. I have one coming out, and then I have a few other fun video ideas I have that I'm trying to kind of do. But anyways, lots of fun, but I've started doing live streaming during the the game, so you can go watch the game with me during on the youtube channel and it's kind of a fun thing to go and watch with other people but uh anyways yeah those are all the places i'm at i'm all over the place and twitter too i guess if you want to see me get angry but
0: yeah so follow <laughs> yeah. follow james at hanson james on twitter and look alive for uh for those videos and, and special projects coming out over the next little bit so happy you joined us today thanks so much james and we'll just leave y'all with some sounds of jazz